Hey, welcome back, peeps, to part two of this awesome interview that we had with the incredible founder of Kraken, Jesse Powell. Jesse has been like one of those sobering voices of reason so many times in the crypto space, you know, where it's literally just been this crypto crap storm of all kinds of stuff going on. And it's always awesome to see his tweets and hear his thoughts on what's going on with people and just kind of the issues in the space. So in part two, we talk about a ton of different things, I mean, including religion and politics, you know, those taboo things you're not supposed to talk about. But we did, and he was awesome. We covered a bunch here. Just a friendly reminder, Crypto Beetle shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is the co-founder of the Monarch Wallet, host of Trading View Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk. And one last thing before we get into this, please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the family. All right, so let's go check out the conclusion of this two-part series, and I'll catch you on the other side. Yeah, just just the exchange volumes alone right now. When you've got uh, these different reports that come out, I think it was Bitwise said like mm -hmm. 95, 90, 95% of its fake volume. Yep. You know, I understand like the incentive of these exchanges to do that because, you know, they're trying to bring people on to do ICOs, IEOs. And so they mm -hmm. want to make it look like the volume's up high. They got a lot of users. They got a lot of liquidity there. You know, so come list your project here. We'll pay, you know, charge $20,000, $500,000, and that yeah. is their new business model. Yeah. Is they're charging these companies, mm -hmm. you know, money to list their ICO or their IEO yep. on their exchanges. And so, or just token listings, you know, that is the new business model. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's, what's kind of your thoughts there on, um, you know, how much of it's real? Do you think the Bitwise report's real? You know, just kind of your thoughts in general. Yeah, I think the report is real and, and it mirrors pretty closely what we've measured ourselves terms of fake volume. Um, yeah, the incentives obviously are to try to attract more people there to look like there's make it look like there's more activity there um, to uh, to rank higher on on the charts or of, you know, the, these websites that rank exchanges according to the volume. You know, obviously, if you're pumping your volume through the roof, you can be number one in volume, then you're going to appear at the top of the list. I mean, that's like free marketing for you, right? It's like, it's like yeah. SEO. It's, you want to appear at the top of the search results and you can just manufacture fake volume and appear at the top of the search results. Then, uh, you know, I think if you don't have any scruples about you, you don't, you don't have a regulator, you, you just don't care. Why not do that? I mean, it's, it's a way to get more people to come to you, you know, free marketing. So I definitely understand why they do it. These pay to list deals, you know, I, I've heard of some crazy deals of exchanges getting paid, you know, a million bucks or something, requiring minimum volume from, from the token founders. Uh, so it's, it's like basically just the facilitation of these like pump and dump schemes. And I feel like uh, the exchanges that are doing this, maybe not all, but I feel like it really puts them in a conflict of interest with their clients. You know, someone's getting burnt on these pump and dumps. It's not like everyone's just making money. Sure. It's so I can tell like, there's a buyer. Yeah, these, these things are just rampant. And I feel like you're, if you're taking a listing fee to, to list something that you know is a pump and dump scam, and you're even requiring the, the people who are running the coin 
to, to like pump the volume on your exchange, you know, I feel like you're just totally complicit in this and you're selling out your users who are less sophisticated, you know, to line your own pockets. You know, I just don't think that's right. You know, from, from a moral perspective, whatever you think about, yeah, buy at your own risk, you know, you should have done your own research or whatever, you know, I think you got to accept the reality that there's a lot of people coming into crypto that just don't know what they're doing. And, you know, we feel that Kraken, at least like we, we have some obligation to filter that kind of stuff out and not expose our clients to things that are just obvious scams. You know, we, we do our research into the projects. Um, we like to believe that the things we list are going to be around for a while, that there's a team really committed to it, that it really has some technical merit. You know, I'd say BSV probably being the exception <laughs> here, which, you know, there's just people feel like um, whenever these forks happen, that there's a, it's just free money. It's just free money. And you didn't give me my fork coin, so you stole my free money. Uh, but, you know, there's actually like a lot of work that the exchange has to do to to support these forks. And, and many forks we've seen, they pump for a few days and then they go to zero. Yep. And then all the work you've done, you know, as an exchange is, is worthless. And you got to deal with uh, forks and attacks on the network and all this stuff. So uh, it can be a total nightmare to deal with. Um, but you handled it great. I mean, you actually put it to a vote on Twitter. You know, should we delist it? Yeah. You know, and you let the people speak and you just did what they said. Yeah. So. You know, I, I feel like we, we kind of had our mind made up already before we did the, the poll um, because these guys have been hassling us with a lawsuit and <laughs> just like... He's, he's trying to sue you and you've got oh. his coin on his on the exchange? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, the lawsuit is, is uh, you should have called BSV Bitcoin because it's the real Bitcoin. And uh, <laughs> so we're suing you for for colluding with whoever to to not give us like our, our appropriate name. So in 2009, this thing called Bitcoin was created. So in 2018, or I guess 19, uh, this thing called Bitcoin SV was created. So now we have to forget about the other, you know, 10 years. Well, the story is Bitcoin SV is, is the real Bitcoin and everything else is, is a scam imposter. Uh -huh. And if you call Bitcoin SV anything but Bitcoin, well, you're complicit in this scam on everybody else in the world who uh, who's trying to trick people into buying fake Bitcoins. This dude's got too much time on his hands. It's it's totally <laughs> insane how, you know, I feel like this whole uh, Craig Wright thing is just this like masterpiece in performance art. And he's going to come out someday and say, like, I ran the most epic troll. I trolled everyone for 10 years and uh, nobody ever, you know, found out about it, whatever. It's just so, it's like too ridiculous to be believed. I mean, the guy is like this caricature of a super villain from a comic book. It's just uh, the, the stuff that he's up to is just too, too insane to be real. Yeah. I mean, patenting, you know, I, I think the Bitcoin white paper, right? You turn it into a, it was a, a copyright, no, yeah, filed for a copyright yeah. registration and then claimed that because, because uh, the copyright office accepted the registration, which is not like, sure, it's not like a it. license or, you know, any kind of like approval of it. Sure. It's just like, okay, like we'll take it. We'll, we'll record the, the number for it or whatever that they have admitted that he's Satoshi. 
That that's that's pretty crazy, man. Especially when you read the original white paper and you know the way that it was so thoughtful and yeah. the way it was written out, and then you see how this guy, you know, writes just a, a tweet. <laughs> you know, it's uh, to me, I, I definitely agree. I think it's some um, performance art because uh, I don't think the original Satoshi Nakamoto would be, you know, doing this type of stuff. But I don't think so either. But who knows? I mean, people develop brain tumors and go crazy <laughs> all the time. I mean, it, it could be that he is Satoshi, uh, and you know whatever 10 years ago he was a totally different person before he did all this crack you know we we just don't know i guess there's no way to know for sure but you know if 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 he is satoshi now like fuck satoshi you know like he's an asshole still doesn't doesn't mean we need to give him any credit for anything or you just we'll buy his coins from him exactly yeah Yeah. thanks for thanks for the hard work we'll buy your coins totally we'll do that man Cool. And then, so, I mean, as far as like uh, with, with crack and the stuff that you guys have going on now, I mean, you guys are one of the few exchanges that don't have their own coin or their own token, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys built this thing from the ground up. Yep. You guys have built it into a staple. I mean, it's uh, it's an incredible, you know, exchange here in the U.S. and, and in the world. Thanks. So now people will have the uh, opportunity, I guess, to start uh, maybe investing in it as well, right? So that you're not going to get a coin, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's some other stuff for sale, right? I guess shares or things like that. Yeah, yeah, there's some sh- some shares for sale through uh, Bank to the Future, uh, which is, is running the sale now. Um, it is available to accredited investors in the U.S., and there are other qualifying requirements uh, around the world, and, and the requirements differ everywhere. Um, uh, the minimum amount is a thousand dollars and, um, that'll get you some crack in stock. Uh, and, uh, that comes with, you know, we have a bunch of other perks for investors, uh, like free crypto watch accounts. Um, you can use your equity for collateral, uh, for certain things. Um, you get the, uh, insider newsletter. There's some other cool things, uh, that you get for being a shareholder. So, um, it's awesome. It's just for yeah. uh, accredited investors, you know, where, where it's qualified, right? So there's different yep. countries that, you know, can't participate. There's people under certain income thresholds who can't participate. So exactly. they'll just have to make sure that they, they meet the requirements. But yep. it's pretty cool, man, that you can uh, buy shares and crack it. So, Thanks. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, we, we'd love to have more clients involved in the company and, and, share, and be shareholders. You know, I think, I think that it'd be great ultimately to, to have crack and be run as sort of a, a co-op of, of just all the clients being owners and, um, you know, just kind awesome. of participating in, in the whole process. You know, I think that we've seen some examples of uh, clients of a business getting kind of sold out for the benefit of the shareholders. Yep. And, uh, you know, Facebook being an example of that where, you know, you got the, the selling of client data uh, to benefit the shareholders, to, to raise the stock price a little bit, whatever. And, you know, creates these massive issues for the actual users of the platform who never would have knowingly agreed to that. And, you know, had they had those people actually been the shareholders, they would have never done that. You know, they would have said, you know, that that kind of thing is not something that we need to do to, to eke out another, you know, 1% profit this year or whatever. Uh, so I think that the more you can get incentives aligned between the service provider and the users of the service, um, the better things are going to be. And, uh, you know, I just hope to, to get us further along on that path as well. Uh, you know, it makes, definitely makes having um, decisions that are favorable to the users easier when I got to pitch it to the shareholders. Uh, you know, if it's the same group, sure. then, then it's a it's lot all, easier, obviously. It's all in our best interest, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I think that unfortunately there's some laws that, that make this really difficult in the United States right now. And you mentioned the um, accredited investor requirements, you know, in the U.S., 
these are very high. It's, it's uh, to invest in um, a private company to buy securities. Apart from, from a few exceptions, uh, you got to have, you got to make $200,000 a year or you got to be a millionaire. Yep, 300000 if you're married, I think. Yeah. Even people that are teaching economics at the university are, are accredited. Are not accredited, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I've met some really stupid rich people, man. Oh, you know, yeah. and I've met some really smart poor people. And if they had a couple of bucks, they could throw at something. You know, I'm sure it would do them a lot more. You know, a lot more good than you know just uh, you know that rich guy that doesn't know anything. Yeah. Other than hey, I'm, I inherited a lot of money, right? <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I think that that's a big problem that, that we got to solve you know, at a national level. You know, that's that's uh, regulated by the SEC. Um, but I think we got to, you know, we let people buy lottery tickets, which is a total scam, uh, but they can't put a dollar into the top 10 tokens, you know, or top 10 yep. startups that they want to invest in, you know, so I think we got to do something there um, to make that a bit easier to, to help the average person get more exposure to, yeah, riskier investments, but with tokenization and uh, the way things are going, it's easy and cheap to, to, to make small investments. You have a diversified portfolio of $10. You know, I'd rather, much rather have people putting 10 bucks into 10 different startups than buying $10 worth of lottery tickets or playing $10 worth of blackjack or whatever. So um, buying lottery tickets is a bad idea for retirement. Because so. <laughs> I've been dollar costing averaging in, right? So how's <laughs> that um, going for you? Yeah, probably not so well. But uh, you know, every once in a while for the wife or something like that, you know, I'll buy her like uh, ten scratches or something like that. Yeah, but it's fun. Not, you know, we'll, we'll like maybe break even. So <laughs> it's fun. It's fun yeah. to do. You know, I see it as entertainment. You know, just like exactly. going to Vegas or whatever. It's entertainment. Um, but. Uh, you know, I think it's also, it can also be entertaining to, to follow companies and to learn about, you know, making, making actually like investments based on fundamentals. Um, and I think if you can let people do that at an earlier stage, even though they're taking risks, you know, let them qualify in somehow, let them take a test or, or even, you know, just say, okay, you're not accredited, but you can invest up to 5k a year or whatever, sure, you know, you 10, the 10% of your income or something, you know, whatever, um, we can, we can definitely improve from where we're at. But I think we gotta um, open this up a bit more, so it's not just the VCs that are reaping the, the majority of the rewards. You know, I think by the time companies go public, it's uh, most of the rewards have, have already been seen. You know, and and the people that are buying in uh, at the IPO price, you know, maybe they'll see if they're lucky a five to ten x. You know, but the zero to a hundred or thousand x was already taken by the VCs. Yeah. Look at look at Uber, right? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. They, they should definitely have some kind of proficiency test or something like that to allow people to qualify, you know, to invest something, right? I mean, yeah, yeah that'd be cool. So what's maybe uh, one of the, the craziest things that you've seen in crypto so far? I know it's, you've been around for a long time in the space, man, so you must have seen a lot of crazy stuff. Crazy things, yeah. yeah I'm just thinking, it stands out? I'm sorting in my mind uh, <laughs> the top 10,000 crazy things I've seen. Oh, man. Um, so much crazy stuff. You know, the, the industry is, is like a, a living soap opera. Just the stuff that you would never predict happens. You know, the, the heroes turn into villains and uh, it's just madness all the time. Um, you know, I don't know. The craziest thing, um, you know, Gox blew up. I think that was very crazy. I think Roger Veer turning into a villain <laughs> was crazy. You know, I think the guy has, has uh, the best of intentions. I, I go back with Roger like more than 20 years. Um, I think the guy's got great intentions, but um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's nuts how um, I think we're all on the same mission, but people get split up over, you know, what's the right way to go. You know, it has become sort of like this uh, uh, fractured kind of religious system where we're all like, we all kind of believe generally in the same thing, but like you get these like splinter groups and some are more extreme than the others. And, you know, some interpret the Bible, you know, exactly, you know, the, the letter of, of the law kind of thing, exactly according to the text and others have a looser interpretation of it. Uh, so I think that's like been really interesting to, to see how that the space has kind of developed that way and fractured that way that, that you know, when it was just Bitcoin, we were all hundred percent on the same team. And now it's like, okay, I think we're all still kind of on the same team, but like we have different ideas about how to get there. what do you think about yeah. CZ saying he was going to roll back Bitcoin? <laughs> what do you think that does uh, to the community? They're like, hold on, uh, that's not possible. Is it? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think yet. Yeah, I mean, technically, I guess it is possible. Uh, but would you want to do that? You know, what is the cost of doing that? You know, massive. I mean, we saw we saw what the cost was of um, forking Ethereum. You know, and it was it was high. I think you, you split the community and um, you split the market share. You split the market cap, and people lose a tremendous amount of confidence. You know, and, and that's very hard to to recover from. So, could you imagine uh, the big banks having to explain that? You know, I mean, they're like, "Hey, I thought you said this stuff was like bulletproof. <laughs> what yeah. just what just happened?" <laughs> yeah, that's and, and the, for the people that executed that, you know, they they put themselves at risk as well for being demanded to do things in the future by governments. You know, yeah. if, if if you can take like these five guys and they can they can roll back the chain or whatever, then yeah, those nice. are your go-to guys. Your government, all right. You know who you need to tap now to to do whatever you want. So, uh, you know, I think that was just an extremely risky and costly proposition all around. And, and I don't think that anyone would ever do that for Bitcoin unless it were something like half of the Bitcoin holders somehow like lost all their money, and it was just a community-wide thing where it was obvious that this bug in the code just like destroyed everybody and. That would and, be the uh, death of Bitcoin right there. Yeah. <laughs> that would, there'd be no recovering from that. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, that, that's when Facebook coin would come out and say, hey, we're here to save the day. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Scary stuff, man. So what's, uh, what's maybe your favorite book, man? Something that, um, you know, you read that's kind of shaped your life or you thought was important other people might, you know, enjoy? It's funny. I, yeah. I, I have, I've asked this question for a couple of years now, and some of the stuff that I get is, uh, is pretty funny. Yeah. Wall Street I, Journal. Yeah. I think a great <laughs> um, underrated book is uh, by Dr. Seuss there you called go. Uh, The Sneetches. The Sneetches. And The Sneetches is about, it's got everything. It's got, uh, basically, I don't know if you remember the story, but there's a guy, it, there becomes this fad, there's these creatures called The Sneetches, uh, and they get these effectively like these star stamps on their bellies. Uh, and this becomes a fad and everyone wants a star stamp on their belly. And there's a guy who sells these star stamps and, um, they go through this machine, it stamps you, you come out the other end and then you're in the cool club. Uh, but eventually there's like more people with the star stamps than, than there are without. And now it becomes cool to like not have it. And this guy, of course, his machine like can do the opposite as well. So <laughs> then he starts charging for people uh, to go back the other way. I always thought that that was like a really interesting story and uh, it kind of teaches kids about all these things about following trends and market dynamics and um, being the guy that sells the picks and shovels uh, versus, you know, being the guy that's actually doing the mining for gold. Uh, so I think there's like a lot of lessons in that story. 
that would be like my top recommendation uh, for anyone to to read one book. There's a lot of truth, <laughs> a lot a lot of truth in that, man. Especially yeah. just for a kids' book, man. So, yeah, yeah, it's man. deep. It's deep. Yeah, that it is, man. What about movies, man? What's uh, what's one of your favorite movies? So these are softballs. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you know, like I, I tend to not be a person who really like has like a lot of like absolute favorites. Um, oh, I got you. So you know, I'd say like Pulp you're Fiction. You're a connoisseur. And, yeah. yeah. Connoisseur of movies. Like, I, I kind of like them all. Yeah. Absolutely. Pulp yeah, Fiction. Pulp Fiction, I, I'd probably say, is like one movie that, that I could just watch like <laughs> infinity times. What a great cast, too. So yeah. many stars in it. Yeah. Amazing movie. Amazing dialogue. Then um, I guess if you could change anything in the world, what would you change? It could be, you know, it could be a law, it could mm. be, you know, it could be anything, just the way people dress. Yeah, it could be, you know, who gets a snitch, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, this is uh, also a really tough question. You always got to think about, like... The ripple uh, effect. Yeah, yeah, the butterfly effect kind of thing. Of like, it. all right, yeah, what do you do? You force this change. You interfere with the, the real market dynamics or whatever. And then <clears throat> roll back gonna... Bitcoin and then it collapses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I wish I would have bought, you know, one pizza instead of two, but... Wish I had uh, bought a 2,000 instead of 20,000. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, man, one thing, very tough question, you know, this is, it's always like this, uh, this evil genie question, you know, like, like, okay, yeah, how is this wish. actually executed? You know, like, okay, yeah, I want, I want world peace. Okay, I'll <laughs> accomplish that by like making robots enslave everyone and, and not, you know, be able to fight anymore. That's why I think this is such a great question, man. It makes people think. Yeah. You know, I, I, think, um, I think that uh, democracy has not really worked out the way that we had hoped. I think it's fallen to some extent into to demagoguery and, um, and like mob rule. And, um, you know, I don't know if there's a better system. You know, I guess this is, this is one thing that's great about, about crypto is... You know, I, I don't know for sure if Bitcoin is a better system, but I know it's something we haven't tried before, and I know the current system isn't working very well. So, what the hell? It's better to have a choice and to try something and see how it goes. And um, you know, I think with with government, um, I don't know. I think there's got to be a better system to government, and um, and maybe crypto will will force that to happen. Government on the blockchain. Yeah. Coming on the blockchain would be good. You know, there's some someone posed an, an interesting uh, possibility with crypto to to create um, basically to use like uh, Augur or, or something similar to uh, to rather than um, donate to candidates up front uh, to to offer them bounties basically and say, okay, here's here's a bunch of money that's going to go to your campaign if you vote like this on these issues. Like you said, you were. Uh, and I like so, that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they know it's there. It'll be like escrowed in there, right? And, and if they actually do it, then then they'll get uh, the money for I, doing it. I like that a lot because what we see is, you know, these politicians, these people that promise us the world to get into office, and then when they get into office, they don't do it. Yeah. So yeah, that would be pretty interesting. Have a smart contract on their voting record, right? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't vote the way you said you would, so. No money. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And, and then, you know, it's, it's very transparent to them what's at stake for not doing it. And it's not just whoever the lobbyist is in front of them writing, writing them that check. You know, they know, okay, yeah, I can, I can sell out the people and, um, you know, allow like toxic dumping in their river or whatever. But if I do that, I'll, you know, I'll get whatever, $10,000 from, from this like, uh, you know, mining firm or whatever. Or there's $20,000 sitting over here from... You know, a dollar from every person in the community that's going to affect. So, 
Yeah, I think that could be really cool. I, I think that government on the blockchain, putting more transparency into government, I think is going to to be a huge thing. You know, you, you got to hold people accountable. And I think like that's a big part of the problem is people just aren't accountable. They get an office on saying one thing and then they do a different thing um, when they're in there. You know, but I also appreciate that things seem so obvious from the outside. You know, sure. you hear from people, well, if I, if I was the CEO of that business, I would do things differently. If I was the president, I would do things differently. And you just have no freaking idea until you get in there, really, like what, what all the trade-offs for everything are and yes. how you do everything. No, you got a lot of, a lot of great points there, man. I, I imagine people, when they get into office, they may start off with, you know, the best of intentions. And then they get them, they realize that they're kind of powerless, right? Yeah. So, you know, and then, you know, an accountable government that's transparent, that sounds amazing, but I don't know that we'll ever see that. <laughs> Because then it would make us weak to other countries, right? So there's the, the well, ripple effect, right? <laughs> you know, that's like, yeah, that's that's the thing is like, there's this also this like game theory piece of it of, let's say the U.S. government is forced on the Bitcoin, forced to balance a budget, can only spend what they've got. Uh, but let's say China doesn't have that problem. Yep. They're they're subjecting their people to massive inflation, fiat currency, whatever. They can just print an infinite amount of money to to build up their military or whatever. Meanwhile, we're over here. Our military's being depleted because it's not really something people are willing to pay for, or we can't afford all the other programs we have, and you know, we got to cut something. Uh, so then, are we going to be at the mercy of these uh, these other nations that actually have worse systems? You know, they've they have worse human rights or or whatever, but have become a stronger power because of it. Yeah, it'd be something if they would actually, you know. If- Obviously, they're going to keep printing money, right? But if the inflation would keep up with everybody else, if the rate of their pay would go up with the rate of inflation, and you know maybe there was just a cap on the tax of, like, say, a 10% flat tax. Mm-hmm. So that way, it doesn't matter if they make a trillion dollars or they make a thousand dollars; they're all paying their fair share. And then, you know, basically, the rate of inflation just rises with everybody, and government can keep spending. The people keep making more money. Yeah. Sounds good. I don't know that I'm not really an you know economist, but I, I think something like that could work possibly. Yeah, I think a flat tax would be awesome. I mean, we spend so much money on just figuring out what our taxes are. I don't know about you, but I've, I've spent like several weekends this year just trying to figure out what my taxes were. And I didn't even have that many transactions. I mean, it's just a total nightmare. And, uh, you know, I think here in California, it's just even crazier. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very brutal. Yeah, taxes are brutal here. Uh, 10% would be great. I mean, because then it forces the government to actually, you know, do what they say they're going to do, spend mm-hmm. things, you know, uh, modestly or just spend things. Like, I mean, come on, a million dollar invisible tank, you know, it's like we have a fleet of these, uh, not million dollar, hundred million dollar invisible tanks out there. Don't you see them? No. <laughs> you know, we're missing $22 trillion. Where do you go? <laughs> uh, gee, I don't know. Right. Yeah. So if you cap the tax at 10%, I think it would force the government to be a little bit more accountable, you know, to the people. So because yeah. they're only going to get 10% out of you, right? Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. Cool stuff. And then um, a fun question, you know, if you could fight, well, I guess not you. So if you could see two people fight, anything, it could be living or dead, it could be a cartoon, it could be, you know, Mickey Mouse versus mm-hmm. Donald Duck. Um, yeah, anybody, Hitler versus, you know, the Pope. I've heard all kinds of crazy stuff over the years. Who would you like to see fight in a, uh, like a UFC cage match? They don't even have to die. It could just be like a, you know, just a friendly tap out. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we've seen it on TV. So uh, I think it'd be cool to see the real thing. Maybe it has happened in real life. Has it been a Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris Ooh, in that'd real be a good life? One. You know, I don't think it. Not definitely not in real life. He's been dead for a long time. But um, yeah, him and his brother, him and him and his son both died. You know, on yeah. the set. You know, Brandon and, and Bruce. But uh, yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah, 
I always like the idea of uh, Tyson in his prime and Ali in his prime. Ooh, you know? that's a really good one. That would settle the score for once and for all because everybody's you know kind of on the fence. But Tyson in his prime was like eighteen to twenty. So yeah, yeah, those would be would be something fun. And then uh, let's see, you believe in God because you're in crypto. So I don't believe in God. No, I'm, I'm an atheist. Atheist. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got an open mind. I'm willing to be go. convinced. There you go. Well, yeah, sometimes you just got to look out the window. Say, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, my, my dad is actually, um, he went to, to do a master's in theology. Uh, he's a hospital chaplain. He's, uh, you know, he's been a big believer in God. I was raised Christian. He said, you know, he's, he's had a personal experience. When he was like 18, he had a personal experience with God, and, and that's how he just knows. And um, when I was in college, I, uh, I studied philosophy of religion and I was already skeptical before that, but that made me even more skeptical about about there being um, rules. Uh, yeah, a particular God, and that the particular God would be correct about everything. And it was, you know, people growing up in India with totally different ideas. Could it be that everybody's wrong except for there's actually, you know, someone has the true story? You know, I, I would argue with my dad about this all the time, and. Um, <laughs> You know, finally, he just admitted, like, all right, you know, your your logical arguments, I cannot, I can't, like, beat your logical arguments. However, you know, I had this personal experience, and I can't explain it, and um, and it was in, you know, a Christian church, and on all these, all these uh, circumstances, you know, relating to Christianity. So, I said, okay, well, I can't argue with that, you know, so... If, if you've had that personal experience, that's cool. Um, you know, I personally have not been presented with uh, you know, the evidence that there is a, a deity out there, you know, responsible for, for controlling things. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that I, I live my life like it doesn't really matter. Like it, I feel like I try to live a moral life. I try to do right by people. I try to, you know, behave in a way that, you know, if, if uh, anyone's up there looking down on me that, you know. He's not such a bad guy. We'll, <laughs> we'll give him a pass, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so... You know, um, and I feel like if if you're if you're living your life the right way, then you know it doesn't really matter which God out there is is the right God. That you know you're trying to do things the right way. Oh man, well I'm, yeah. I'm sure you'll find them when you're ready. But uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome man. Was well, you got any questions for me? You got anything else you want to, to let the people know? Yeah, I know you ran. You, we were talking about a little earlier. Um, you ran for Congress yourself. We were talking a little bit about Trump. I want to know if, is there anyone in Bitcoin that we can get appointed to president? How do we get somebody in Bitcoin to run for president? And uh, Somebody in Bitcoin to yeah. be president? Well, we'd, well, I guess we'd have to bring Satoshi out, right? I mean, but then again, that, that would probably be the death of Bitcoin. As far as people out there that, you know, we can trust, I mean, you know, you've been around since the beginning. Let's, let's get you out there, man. You I don't want to know. for president? I don't know if I'm ready to be assassinated yet. <laughs> oh, gotcha. All right. Well, yeah, we, we, definitely have to, we definitely have to worry about, you know, the, the Lincoln moment, right? So, or the, the Kennedy moment. Um, I mean, Andreas Antonopoulos, you know, he's got kind of a colorful past, so that might come out to haunt us a little bit, but he is a true advocate, so... Yeah. They gotta be. They gotta be American. I don't know if he is he is he sure. an American. Yeah, I don't know if he was born, born American. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a very good point. Just like Schwarzenegger, right? So he wasn't born here, but yeah, I don't right. know. Trying to make some, you know, some exemption to where he could. Um, let's see. So if we get uh, Andreas, and, and you're not gonna, you know, if you're not gonna pick up the torch, then um, 
Why not Charles Hoskinson? Why not? Yeah, he's a smart guy. Let's have him do Good it. Good bet. Yeah. Bet. Yeah, people would be scared of him because you, you ever see him like when he debates people he's got you know, he's got some fire he's in intense, him yeah. you know, like Vitalik you know he's a pushover he's a beta <laughs> you Canadian anyway yeah. alright so he's out <laughs> yeah but uh, Hoskinson why not I'm thinking if we can get somebody in we might get a pardon for Ross <laughs> you know that's crazy man that they would put somebody in jail for that for so long you know when there's people that have done so much worse that I mean actually afflicted to humans you know what I mean not yeah. just uh, you know totally. selling drugs Totally unjust. I mean, that that was that that sentence for him was unjust. Uh, I mean, he, Silk Road too. They guys, those guys got a, a slap on the wrist. Yeah, but they needed somebody to make an example out of, right? Exactly. And yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's right. I think you know, I think people. We got way too many people in prison for um, victimless crimes, and you know, I understand you want to have a policy that restricts drug use, and there are all, all sorts of great reasons why people should not be doing drugs, but. You know, the guy was running a website, and um, I think, you know, he got way more. He got way more than, you know, he got his life taken away, basically, uh, for that. And you got, um, I think, bigger bigger fish to fry, bigger bigger people to worry about. Well, maybe Trump will pardon him. I know that his mom's been out there, you know, hitting the circuit, and he's, they've got quite the movement behind them. So, yeah. Who knows, man? Maybe a pardon, right? If they're not going to give it to, you know, what's uh, Julian Assange, maybe, maybe they'll give it to Ross, right? <laughs> Yeah, we can only hope, man. I, you know, I, I, I think uh, Trump would be a guy who, who potentially could do it. But yeah, I think you know it'd be great to get a, a hardcore Bitcoiner. Yeah, in he's office. used to pissing people off. He could do it, right? Just yeah. one day, just Ross, you're pardoned. Absolutely, <laughs> love it, man. Cool. You got anything else for the audience? Anything else you want to cover? Uh, no. Well, I really appreciate. You know, we've got over a thousand people that have already invested in the Bank to the Future round. I think that's super cool. I appreciate. Um, all of the people that believe in us and, and want to be a part of the story and um, continue to, to trust us as their exchange over the years. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to, to maintain that trust, provide a good experience, um, be a good example to the community, be a good example to regulators, um, some guys that are trying to do it right. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm super thankful to, to everyone. Um, for giving us the chance to do this and, and believing in us and um, hope we can keep on going and doing a great job. And thanks so much for having me. And it's uh, my honor, man. Thanks for, you know, making the trek all the way out here. And uh, you know, even if it is on your, even if, <laughs> can't even spit out my words, even if it, even if it is on your way through. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, man, Absolutely. keep doing all the great work and, you know, keep being transparent and keeping the uh, community up to date on, you know, just kind of the world in general, man. You know, we all love your tweets, man, and we Thanks, love man. what you're doing and, and the business you built, man. So keep it up. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Yeah. All right. Great meeting you. Great meeting you too. All right. Take care, guys. God bless. Hey, welcome back, everybody, and a huge thanks to Jesse, man. I really appreciate you, buddy. I got a ton of respect for you, what you do, what you built, and especially while keeping the transparency for the community all at the same time, man. So keep it up, buddy. You're doing awesome. And I sure hope everybody enjoyed the chat. Just a friendly reminder, Crypto Beetle shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is the co-founder of the Monarch Wallet, host of Trading View Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, 
and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk. Please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the family. God bless you. I'll catch you on the next one.